<laughs> Love your outfit. How do you do it? <laughs> Stop it. It's... No, really. Well, I get it all at Prairie Gardens. Did you say Prairie Gardens, the garden store? Oh, they've always been more than just gardening. You'll find new boutique items every week at prices you can't beat, like this purse. Oh, and this beautiful necklace and bracelet and this top. Let me guess. Prairie Gardens? Ah, you know it, and that's how I always keep my style fresh. Love it. Prairie Gardens, extraordinary gardening, home decor, framing, and a boutique as unique as you. Well, good morning. I'm Tamara McDaniel, and this is Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens. Join us if you can. We're at uh, 3000 West Springfield in Champaign at the corner of Springfield and Duncan. Or if you can't make it out here, join us by phone. Call in at 356-9397, or you can even text your questions or comments in at 351-5357. We have our regular experts standing by, including Marianne Metz. <laughs> Good morning, Tamara. Good morning, Marianne. Good morning, John Weisgarver. Good morning, Tamara. Good morning, Steve Brown. Good morning, Tamara. And we have a special guest today, Sean Williams. Yeah. A preservationist, uh, an heirloom preservationist. Heirloom preservationist. That's what we're calling him. But he's a, he's a gardener, and he knows a whole lot about stuff a whole lot of stuff plant-wise yeah but he really your passion is things that have kind of been forgotten and and pushed off to the side if you will where plants you know particularly you're focusing on tomatoes and peppers right now it seems like but uh, right uh just just a lot of good stuff that used to be really popular in the past from different corners of the world and trying to uh, rescue and preserve and reintroduce those varieties so we can all enjoy them that's great. Sean did a great presentation last Saturday at the first Saturday of Open House. So, again, today is the second Saturday of Open House, by the way. So you got to come out for that, and we'll talk about that in details. But Sean did a tremendous presentation on heirloom tomatoes last Saturday. That was really fascinating. It was really neat. Uh, I learned I like, a lot. Yeah, I, I that did, was too. awesome. Yeah, he's got me fired up thinking, okay, get let's the shovel up. out. Yeah, let's got do it. Got a plant. I another 12 it. more than I planted on. What's more exciting is we're going to be selling tomato plants that you grew for us, Sean. I think that's just really cool. We're, we're, we're uh, tapping into our local talents and supporting our local businesses. I think that's really awesome. And they're just fabulous heirloom tomatoes. John and I researched them, and man, they sound so awesome. I can't stand it. <laughs> they have so much history about them and so much difference in flavors that you really yeah. do need to grow. So, <laughs> so just kind of recapping that, why heirlooms, for those that may or may not know, why heirlooms versus conventional, the, the conventional hybrids that they might run into everywhere? Sure. Uh, heirlooms just give you a array and a variety, as I before mentioned, of flavors that you just don't find in conventional varieties that have been bred for uh, shipping, disease resistance, different oh, sure. things like that, that have come with a sacrifice of mm -hmm. flavor. Um, they, you know, they ship well, they look in containers, but they lack that old time flavor that a lot of people talk about. Yeah. Okay. And it's that flavor that heirlooms really just exhibit and tap into with, like I said, a rainbow of colors and they can spice up any dish visually and then taste wise on your palate. And so that's what I love, especially all the different colors and shapes oh, yeah. and textures yes. yeah. where, where it's not just a, a tomato, it's, it's visually beautiful and you makes you want to eat it yeah. yes and i don't know on the other end i've had a friend say you know they look like a tumor but they taste like a tangerine <laughs> <laughs> that's well, interesting and, and the uniformity of it is is a big thing too and you talked about that last time where you might have one that's more rounded shape you might want to have one that's flattened it has a center that's at the stem where it's sunken and it flares up and right. it, yeah. it just doesn't have that 
consumer appeal, if you will, on the outside. But exactly. like, like John said, I think they're almost a work of art on the outside. Then you slice them and you see the different color spectrums yes. on the inside. And it just, it's, yeah. They're amazing. And like you said, yep, they don't lend themselves to shipping in uniformity. So they, they've been pushed aside uh, just to keep costs down um, and make it to the grocery store at a price that consumers can identify with. But, yeah, they're just, they're just amazing. I really love How do you come across them? So it, it sort of becomes, I sort of, I mentioned this in the talk last week, it becomes sort of an addiction. Um, you find. <laughs> we don't it, know about those things. <laughs> yeah. It, it becomes, yeah. And it becomes a good addiction. Um, with over 10,000 named varieties of heirloom tomatoes 10, out there thousand. in the world. Wow. And even more that are yet to be discovered. Um, we're even, we're don't want to get off on tangent, but talking about going down to South America to monasteries to try to find old tomatoes that might be in preservation, wow. just in monasteries and bringing them back. But you so is this like a Raiders of the Lost Ark yeah. kind of thing that you do? It Ooh, it's for tomatoes, but I love it. Yeah, but at the Ark of Taste. It's ah, really that I slow like that. foods Ew. thing where That's you cool. want to preserve. Nice. But you get some varieties like I did. I was introduced to some of the black tomatoes, if you will, the uh, Cherokee Purple, Black Crim, Paul Roblinson. And you taste them and you're amazed. Then you buy a few more. Then you start to discover people who are kind of like you, a little bit nuts, but really like flavor. Mm -hmm. And then you start to trade seeds and buy seeds. And then before you know it, you're up to over 1,800 different varieties and hoping to add and hoping wow. to add 2,000 more. So it becomes a collection thing where tomato seeds will keep for 10 to 20 years, depending on just oh, the wow. conditions. So yeah, you can you don't have to grow every variety every year. But then you just start collecting them wow. and then trying to realize what flavors you might be missing out on. Yeah. So, so Sean made some recommendations and John and Marianne went through this long list and tried to, we tried to pare it down and we turned it in an order. So, we, again, we will have uh, we've always had some nice heirloom tomatoes, but this year it's going to even be a much better selection. And um, and we've got a couple local or Illinois heirlooms on there. I know Kickapoo Creek was one that you'd recommended, and so we, we definitely have that one coming. And then we have Abraham Lincoln uh, coming as another local one, and then some other ones in the Midwest. There's Sheboygan, which is on part of that Slow Food USA, Arc of Taste. Um, and we have Illinois Beauty, back to that one. Um, big Red. Big Red. Uh, I'm anxious to try Black Beauty. I've grown Cherokee Purple and Black Crim in the past, and I've been happy with it, but I'm really anxious to try Black Beauty because it just seems like it's less green with a little bit of purple on the outside um, or lighter purple. And this one just seems like it's going to be a stunning, it's almost an eggplant color. I'd uh, say so. That's it's, neat. It's almost like a black beauty eggplant. You're right. Uh, yeah, and neat. I can't wait to slice that baby open. Yeah, that sounds great. Let's see how she goes. I'm ready for you to bring some in. Okay. <laughs> uh, I, I promise I will. It just may not be the first few, if you know what I mean. I know what you mean. <laughs> one, one you don't want to forget that we mentioned at the end of last week was Dejina's Golden Girl. Of course. The, the tomato that's also on the Slow Foods it's, USA Arc of Taste. It's in my notes. Okay. That I, I mean, pers for personal, going to have to grow that one for that, sure. That tomato won the Chicago Fair starting in 1929, 10 years in a row, oh my wow. God. based upon just how, on flavor, and won the number one tomato. Wow. And through time, it's been forgotten. But hopefully this year, people who come to Prairie Gardens looking for heirlooms will rediscover a great tomato that's just been lost. And, and what was the name of that one again? Gina's Golden Girl. Gina's Golden Girl. 
Stupichka yep. is on my list too because like most gardeners, you're always looking for one of those really early ones just so you can kick off the season and say, I had a tomato in June. I was first. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> kind of thing. 21 days. Which is unbelievable. That is unbelievable. 21 to 55 days. Earlier than early girl by almost 50%. Yeah. The caveat, 21 to 55. (laughs) Well, you get them in the ground, and they're self, they don't need pollinization. The first seeds will actually pollinate themselves. And the first tomatoes, I mean, the blossoms. And they'll produce tomatoes without seeds. But then as they mature and more pollen gets to produce be produced then they start to produce seeds within each of the tomatoes that they bear so they're so early is that the same concept when you have a seedless tomato is that the is it the same kind of thing that that's more of when you get into like diploids and like the watermelons where you start you have a lot of female watermelons that need just one male pollinator but the progeny uh that are produced so that's different okay produced or seedless all right but this is just a weird one uh, and it's one, it's like just it. early, so early. Some Say pro- that name again. Uh, Stupichka. I like it. And I they too. they call it one of those subarctic uh, tomatoes. It was from Czechoslovakia, mm-hmm. I believe. And yeah. it does w- it does well about by the around Canada and the northern area. So because mm. it's a short season. <laughs> yeah. Because <laughs> it doesn't take much. Uh-huh. So again, today is the second Saturday of open house. I know we're all sick. I mean, we're disgusted by what's going on outside. Oh, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> it ridiculous. And, and we don't really have much to look forward to this next week, or at least the next few days anyway. So if you want to go f- thumb your nose at Mother Nature or what's going on out there right now, come into the greenhouses and walk around, and you're going to see so much color and at least, if nothing else, mm-hmm. signs of hope mm-hmm. that eventually yes. mm-hmm. this will turn around. So we've got tons of cool season annuals out there. The trees and shrub areas is, is almost all put together. It's loaded and ready to go. A really great selection of perennials that are 20, 30, and 40% off right now. And then uh, quite a few annuals, a decent selection of uh, vegetables, not the full selection, not Sean stuff yet. So that's going to be closer to the end of April and the first couple of weeks of May okay. that we'll have those. Well, that's the but appropriate time anyway. It's appropriate time. The stuff we have now is just to uh, kick the tires with and say, I'm going to buy one and I'll move it back and forth. <laughs> it's just to scratch your itch. you got to do some stuff Gotta like that. It, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, but there's some nice hanging baskets out there. Tremendous selection of Boston ferns for 11.97. 10-inch potted hibiscus for 11.97. So lots of good specials. And you get to register today still to enter your own uh, dream garden to try and win that free. And we got seven different choices, and we talked about that a little bit last week. Where you could... Right. Uh, and it's fun to have this. You can vote online just for fun, but you can vote online to win inside the store. But it's fun to see what the people online are doing, too. And, yeah. you know, and so it's all over the board. So you can get any five Japanese maples or conifers up to one ninety nine each, which would be kind of a nice little thing to win. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Any, ser- any six ceramic pots up to one ninety nine each. Uh, any seven premium combination hanging baskets or combination planters or anything like that, up to 80 bucks each. Perennial Dream Garden, uh, Patio Furniture, Fruit and Veggie Dream Garden, Go Green Dream Garden, where you can use your imagination and say, hey, I just don't want to do conventional things. I don't want to do this uh, this synthetic fertilizer, and I don't want to do this. Uh, this typically, r- I, I want to do things a little more naturally. So if you want to do rain barrel or composting, or if you just want to buy some of the more natural organic products out there for solutions to some of the problems and i didn't double check but the serenade that you mentioned last week should have arrived yesterday and hopefully it's on the shelves but we'll follow back up with that now that we're talking about that so anyway it's another way to stretch the mind and imagination you could spend it on mulch compost uh 
just about anything you'd want to try and help grow naturally. Mm-hmm. So anyway, those are things going on today. Lots of guest speakers. Uh, we've got Sean, John, and Mary Ann all speaking today. And then uh, Mike Weber's here also. Uh, I think this first speaker is 915. That's, yeah, John. Yeah. That's John? me. That's yep. John kicking That's it ha- off. Hawaiian John. Talk about not, what you're talking about, well, John. Well, not so common tropical containers. Uh-huh. And uh, I have worn my appropriate tropical shirt I to noticed. get everybody inspired. I like it. Isn't that yeah. awesome? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, subtly that it's not going to come beat with the plants. There you go. Mm-hmm. Now you'll, you'll camouflage in, huh? Interesting concept of subtle, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're not into that. You know, b- and we'll, we'll learn about uh, some basic container garden uh, tips and, you know, it's it's different to gardening containers as opposed to in the oh, soil. Yeah. But how rewarding. So, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So many fun things you can do. Absolutely. Yep. You're so more in control in some ways. Ish. <laughs> in some ways. In some ways, ish. yes. <laughs> and, th- and then jumping back to the last presentation of the day, Marianne's at 1 o'clock, and you're doing yes. perennials and decorative container combos? I'm doing John only with perennials. Ah, John's going cool to do a little more tropical, and you're doing it with more perennials. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Which is an interesting concept, because then you don't necessarily have to switch out your containers at the end of the season. Or you can. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. It's fun can, stuff. Yeah, you can add them into the perennial garden if you want to, after you yeah. enjoy them in containers all summer long. And as everyone yeah. knows, I have mm-hmm. that particular combo in my driveway. It's been yeah. a juniper I've had in a container for close to eight years. Wow. I know. Isn't that it's great? getting way too big. And then you, <laughs> do you put anything around it then to dress um, it up? Some years I do, some years I don't, because it's really a statement all by itself. Cool. But we'll talk about it. Yeah. Very all cool. Right. And then Michael. 45, and he's talking about conifer magic? Yes, conifers. Everything you always wanted to know about conifers, but we're afraid to. Yeah. will be now. Uh, and if anybody knows, well, I'm sure a lot of people know Mike. He's, he's a great horticulturalist, and he, he was been a, he said he's owned hosta sale at his home for years and years and years. A lot of people know him that way, and he knows a lot, a lot about hosta. But he's just taken up conifers uh, just in the last several years, and if you thought he knew a lot about hosta, He's here to tell you about conifers. And, and, and if you say the last several years, that's relative to how long he's still been growing them in his yard and oh, the for landscape. Sure. What a great uh, collection. He's one of the for, for, for 30 years. Yeah. Oh, at least. I'm he's he's not, been interested. I'm trying to be graceful. He's been, I know. This was good. I'm sorry okay. I said it wrong. Right. Um, he's, he's been into conifers for many, many years, decades actually. And he has one of the original, What the first one I ever saw, uh, Camocypris mops, uh, golden mops, a lot of people call it. It's a cute little shrub that gets about 15 feet tall. <laughs> so his, and and I, nobody ever realized that. But I saw it in his backyard. I said, that's really cool. And I didn't recognize it for, for, the, for the name that it really is being sold by because it was so big. So, wow. You know, if if you have it long enough, uh, dwarfs don't stop growing. You know, they just grow slow. So huh. <laughs> if you have it long enough, it gets big. And he'll explain all that. Okay, it's really good. nice. There's a, there's a lot of cool things he can teach. He's a, he's a really good guy, he, and he has a lot of knowledge. Oh, terrific. So. And that's coming up at 1145. Yes, that's 1145. All right. And here's another interesting thing. In our tomato talk last week, we mentioned a product called uh, Soil Perfector that I like yeah. to use. Uh, that's also, it's by a company called Staylight, and what they do is make something out of it and then repackage it called Volstop. Oh. And Volstop is to stop all those voles from messing with your hostas. Yay! So it's got multiple Fabulous. purposes. There Yay. you go. If you get tired of growing in a container, dump it out around a hosta, the voles hate it. It's so sharp skin, they oh, don't mess yeah. with your hosta's roots. I like that. That's cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Ha ha! 
So it's called Volstop or I love it. AKA, depending how you buy it, Stay Light or Soil Perfector. I there love it. Go. There you go. Absolutely love it. Excellent. But but then right before Mike is is Mr. Williams here. That's right. So 10:30, fiery pepper. And some not so fiery. Okay. We want to point cool. that out. We've got some interesting Itch. ones and. Um, a couple, like uh, I think we were talking about earlier, were the uh, Slow Food Architaste, uh, Beaver Dam from Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's a big pepper that's actually come into some uh, canning and culinary uses up in Chicago. Nice. With companies that are making sauces and things out of that. A good stuffer pepper. It's uh, not hot, not terribly hot, and not terribly mild. Just right there in between. Okay. Old Hungarian variety from Beaver Dam, Wisconsin. That's recognized as... A slew of food, architaste, nice. uh, pepper, and also one called the uh, Farmer's Market uh, Jalapeno, a.k.a. Potato Skin Jalapeno. A jalapeno that looks like a potato on the outside, the skin. Ooh. Completely like that. But when you cut it open, Weird. it's actually a jalapeno. And it's from Maine, and it was discovered by this old timer in Maine. And uh, Maine is one of the large producers of potatoes. Right. And he finally traded some seeds and some people just went wild about it. And a lot of people don't know about it. So this will probably be the only store actually you'll ever be able to buy one. <laughs> I'd say in the state or in the Midwest or anywhere. Wow. Uh, That's awesome. A seedling. Uh, so it's a potato skin. When you look at it and when you cut it open, it's red depending when you pick it. And it's uh, a pepper. Potato skin jalapeno. Wow. Or Farmer's Market. That's pretty cool. I and never would have guessed that a jalapeno would have an origin in Maine. Yeah, Maine, where someone just kept breeding it for what they wanted and then just kind of kept growing this weird-looking potato skin jalapeno. Oh, well, it's too weird, all right? And then yeah. one more, which is uh, hits home, uh, hits close to home, is um, the habanada. It's a habanero with no heat. So nada. So oh. habanada. I love it. Yeah. Oh. And that's one that... Uh, Mike picked out and is developed at Cornell University in upstate New York, where actually my father went to school for agriculture as well. And so it kind of hits hey. ho close to home. But it looks like a real habanero. It, it's actually part of the same family. Um, it looks like everything that's going to be hot. You bite open to it, it's sweet. So you can kind of do maybe a taste test with a buddy, you know, <laughs> give him the hot one, make sure you get him the hot one. <laughs> you hold on to the one you know you can palate. Yeah. You know, make a bet or two, make some pay off your plants. I love it. You know. Uh -huh. <laughs> oh yeah, there you go. Yeah. I like that. I love it. <laughs> Do you guys ever put blindfolds on and try and identify these things? Uh on these peppers, no. I okay. think they're just I think it's the fear factor. Okay. When you look How about at tomatoes? These. Would you ever could you could you taste yes. one variety to the next? You well, you can taste color a lot. So, okay. yeah, you can kind of taste colors. That'd be kind of an interesting party game for gardeners. Yeah. Put a blindfold on and guess the color of that tomato that you just taste ate. Taste that color. I can do that with wine sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> but I okay. don't know about a tomato. Well, just translate that skill to <laughs> yeah. tomatoes, I'm sure. And uh, finally, just the world's hottest peppers will be here this summer. Awesome. So the, the Guinness Book of World Record holders. Um, wow. So we've got the Carolina Reaper, which is currently the Guinness Book of World Record holder. Uh, but some would argue there's a few like the uh, Trinidad Maruga Scorpion. Uh, that's also going to be available wow. here. I love the, it. Uh, the Apocalypse Scorpion, which is also hot, super hot. Um, and uh, the Infinity Chili, which held the world record for two weeks. Uh, we've got some Naga Vipers. It's just some... Uh, basically, your top ten of the world's hottest peppers. So, will be for, here. so for everybody who thinks that ghost pepper is the hottest thing they could possibly ever have, yeah. no. No. Sean, I got to tell you, there are people that come in. I just want the hottest pepper you've got. 
So this is going to be awesome. We're now, just, I'm excited. Now, we don't have one that's out there called the uh, Pepper X, though. Ooh. Which is not fit for human consumption. So oh, oh my gosh! <laughs> but maybe next year. I'm glad you steered us away from that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but is it an heirloom? No. See, these okay. are varieties that have been bred for just their insane heat. Okay. So, um, but some of them have actually been bred like um, they fall into the category of seven pot, and that's just a term um, that's used in Trinidad, an island in the West Indies, that says one pepper is enough to flavor seven pots of food. Oh. So you would take the pepper oh, wow. and move it to another because it has so much oils and so much uh, flavonoids in it. Wow. So that wow. it has a name that says just seven pot. Wow. So that's cool. Yeah, there's, a, there's, there's, some ma- there's some, you know, there's some meaning to the madness. But for the most part, these peppers have just been developed like the Aztecs did uh, for flavor but inter- and heat. Heat's the main thing. Just really hot peppers. You're growing the hottest pepper in the world in your backyard. Uh, yeah. Dangerous. Living yeah. on the edge. Maybe that'll deter the rabbits. I think I, <laughs> if I didn't wear gloves in the garden before, I think I'd be wearing gloves in the garden Good this, this year. Yeah. I always tell the story about planting a, a hot pepper in the, the pathway that rabbits took through my uh-huh. hosta garden. And they just ate it to the ground. It was the hottest pepper that we were selling oh. at the time. They just ate it all. Really? The fruit, the flowers, the leaves, the stems. No problem. They're insane. And But w- I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, Maybe we I can deader them with that and one. And birds Carolina eat peppers, Beaver. too. So we'll have, like, prairie fire, which is a, a nice little chili teppan pepper. Um, and they, like, some peppers require a bird to ingest the pepper to pass the seed through their digestive tract in order for that seed to be viable and germinate. So they've so some birds like them. And I'll actually be showing three packets of seeds that are from the Amazon that were recently collected that were passed on to me, uh, just for show, not availability. So it's going to be a learning experience, plus just a lot of variety. I think there's some color printouts of just what's available. So there's stuff for everyone from hot or not, you know, and in between. So that's going to be exciting. That's great. That's cool. Yeah. So Coming that up is ten thirty. Ten thirty for Sean, Sean Williams. Williams. That's yeah. That's going to be a blast. I can't wait for that one. I know. I you know, do. and it's hard. You, you you hear this conversation, and you just want to go outside and do something. It's like ah. I, I was out in my yard this week. I to was. do what? I was spreading manure. I don't doubt that. Nice. <laughs> you probably did that inside, too, didn't you? That's on a daily basis, yeah. though. <laughs> you guys. You're listening to Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens, 356-9397. I know we, uh, Diane Nolan joined us last Saturday for yes. the first Saturday of Open House. She was on the radio show, and, you know, we talked to her, went kind of around the table and said, you know, what have you done in your yard this year? What have you done? What have you done? And obviously, most of us had a really short list of. Oh, yeah. I mean, some people got some things cleaned up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm hearing a lot of yard cleanup. And that, yeah, yeah or, or I'm hearing a little bit of yard cleanup yeah. and nothing else. <laughs> I mean, well, I'm yeah. hearing yes. a lot of, gee, I wish I could get out my yard and clean up. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, can't rem- I can't remember the last time that I've gotten this little done Yeah. by you know, the, 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 the first full week of it. Yeah, first full yeah. week of April. So I, yeah, I've had a couple of visitors this week. You did to the yard, yeah. Uh, four-legged, two-legged. I was well uh, interesting. Uh, some of the woodland plants are starting to come up, okay, which is cool, of and uh, just barely. But uh, I'm waiting for that to happen, okay. And 
I don't know what happened. Carl Forrester is 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 showing up. What? What? Yeah. I said, what are you thinking? In your one sunny spot? Carl, yeah. Go, go, don't don't do it. Carl. I know. He's, he's like three inches tall. I was like, really? Are you crazy? Carl knows what he's doing. It must it must be the result of the fire. <laughs> Maybe oh. some some latent ground heat. John, <laughs> if for, I don't know if you heard that story, but John John tried to do a controlled burn on his front yard last uh, fall. Uh, big his eyes got. He doesn't live in town. And, and, yeah. and it's not a prairie. Uh, so um, It's actually yeah. very wooded. It's, it's woodland, yeah. So yeah. it doesn't work real well on azaleas or hemlocks. Oh, my gosh. Um, it doesn't. Uh, but anyway, so he's interested to see what's going to come back harder and better than ever. It here. will be interesting. All the all those uh, twelve hundred and thirty-two pachycandras that I planted are. I think there's like maybe a hundred. So I'm hoping that that's going to come back. Twelve hundred and thirty-two. But you who's planted? Yeah. But who's counting? Over right? two years. It, yeah, yeah, I did it all with the ball auger. Oh my goodness. You know. That he has a, a meter on his arm. That was a lot. Of, yeah. That was a lot of work. <laughs> he keeps it in his five. And I was like, I was crying. So. I'm sure you were. Oh, I just can't believe your Carl Forrester is. is up I that don't high. either. What's going on? Calamagrasis doesn't usually break dormancy. But early. it's it's close to to the asphalt, and the sun is yeah, there. But still. you know, we haven't had that much sun. No, we haven't. So I don't know. So, Sh- Sean, do you ever have time for relaxation, casual gardening, or are you so focused? on the heirloom preservation that you don't have much time to just do right. other uh, things? Well, no, because I think I just keep piling things on. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, we, we sort of sort of garden for what you like, preserve for what you like. Yep. Um, and uh, we've been getting into herbs a lot. Nice. Um, nice. And so a lot of, I, I know I was talking to Marianne last week, um, that we're getting into some of the rare oreganos and Mediterranean type herbs. So I think I just keep piling on the pain. Yeah. Uh, but it's not really pain <laughs> because it's really discovery is enjoyable to me and curiosity. So yeah. um, if it's for, I think a lot of things are just work and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Then you it go is, hand in hand. Right. Then it is more of a, I think once you get that gardening edge and it gets nice out, like we're hoping it does, mm-hmm. you just keep going with it until you can't. And then you miss it and you're just waiting for it again. So take yeah. a take a break for a couple of days if you can and then right. charge back up. And I, right. think, I think you really know you're a crazy collector when you get a really special oregano for a birthday present. Uh. <laughs> 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 ah, three, five, the six, ultimate birthday gift. Nine, three, nine, seven. This is plant experts live at prairie gardens let's go to the phone lines where dan is standing by good morning dan good morning how is everyone we're Great. doing really well Great. thanks oh dan it's Hi. dan well, Colin, uh, you know one question we have a problem with bunny rabbits in our backyard and uh, yeah. would it be helpful to plant like peppers uh, around flowers to keep the bunnies away or well i'm telling you dan <laughs> i tried it been there done that didn't work do you, Sean, have any experience with that? I have rabbits, and I've had golden retrievers, too, that both are not good. Uh, <laughs> the, the goldens don't guard the, the garden plot. But to answer your question, I've had no luck. I've had peppers that are that drop a lot of pepper because I haven't been able to collect them on the ground. But the bunny rabbits just run right over the top just, of them. They, they don't what care. They want. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, my experience is that they'll eat anything they want to eat, so, so inc- including well, every every portion of a, of a pepper plant, so. Sean, have you ever made well, a homemade a pepper? Go ahead, Dan. Well, we put a lot of our flowers in pots uh, to avoid the 
bunnies. So, because uh, I know yeah. Prairie Gardens does have a great selection of ceramic pots, because I think oh, we yeah. keep flying around here. Uh, we keep buying so many. But. Yeah, I know that syndrome too. Yeah, <laughs> it's a disease also. How's your garden looking, Dan? Is it pretty dormant uh, looking right now? Well, how's that? Um, how's that leaf pile? It's a leaf pile. Well, uh, yeah, my wife's been complaining of a bad back because she, uh, <laughs> she she raked up the leaves uh, last week, and um, because you know April, so the yard waste pickup begins. So, so you waited her out then. That's nice. Well, you waited her out then. Time is everything. We have lots of hostas in our backyard. So, uh, but, yeah, they uh, love hosta. The tulips, I think, are starting to come up a little bit. But um, I told another... her that the leaves provided good ground cover because, you know, we had such a late winter that, uh, you know, it's going to end up, you know, doing well oh. for it. Oh, yeah, so for sure. You, so. But, uh, <laughs> well, the real reason I called is, we have another uh, battle brewing here at the house, and because um, I wanted to bring up everyone's, uh, every gardener's favorite ten-letter word, which is composting. Ah. And, uh, our battle is, you know, the pros and cons of composting, and you know, I'm taking the, uh, as with most things around the yard, you know, I'm taking the pro side, and you know, as far as my wife, well, let's just say she's been conning me for years, but, <laughs> but she's worried about composting and it attracting animals. Absolutely. We don't not. really need to attract any more animals, but um, but I'm, is, I'm big on She's wrong again. I like, you know, if I can, huh. I can throw scraps away and compost it, you know. But I really know nothing about composting. So, could you give me like the Cliff Notes version of of proper composting? Well, if done right, you're wrong. Your wife is completely wrong. Well, I take again. exception with that. Hmm. How's that? I I think yeah, there is a right way and a wrong way. Absolutely. <laughs> right. But I I have a son-in-law who has. Um, Skunks come to his compost, and he does it right. Really? Yeah. Oh. Uh, so. Why did you have to say that? Now Dan's not going to get a compost pile. <laughs> well, there's, like you said, there's a right way and a wrong way. But Dedrum, just like you would rabbits, it wasn't a good comparison, was it? Because it doesn't work either. Okay. All right. So so it can it can happen, but what are the odds of you having a skunk? Not very. To not you? very. So. Or, or any other critter, for that matter. It's it's all about doing it right. And and it's not really very difficult. It's just about proportion of, of decaying material and enough um, aeration and water. And uh, no meats, no, no, exactly. no yep. meats and no citrus. Because uh, eventually, if you just do it in a pile outside of a container, the worms really don't like citrus. Oh, yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah, the worms hate any lemon orange peel tangerine anything you know you get those clementines and interesting so they're not out. from the south then they don't really get into that <laughs> okay. that's good to yeah. know though yeah it is well dan did that help at all dan so dan as far as back yeah, to the, I mean, what to do first off do it i mean the odds of you getting a skunk in your compost are probably like you're getting struck by lightning while seriously you're out there it really is the compost so I, it, but yeah. but that proportion well, of of we had a family nitrogen of living underneath our shed last year so oh well maybe your odds are a little bit greater though, perhaps. <laughs> I, can, I can hear the lightning right now <laughs> you know uh, dan i think that that maybe uh your wife is is thinking about the the aesthetics of it that she doesn't want to see a pile sitting there on the ground so so there's ways around that you can uh, camouflage that by, oh, by you know just a nice decorative uh, fence you know, even just on the front side, and sure. then you can you can do your pile on the back. Um, so or some decorative pots. Absolutely, too, right? Of like what you add, what you add to the count, like like coffee grinds is something you could add, but 
not every day or you want to have make sure you also have a good ratio of browns right browns so. and greens mm-hmm. absolutely and and so you're going to be l- layering greens it could just be grass clippings if you want to if you're comfortable with that taking those off your lawn although they're still beneficial to your lawn if you just let them return back to the grass when you mow and you could be a, a brown compost which most of us would have leaves or uh, dried grass i guess if you will or ornamental grass when you cut back in the spring or some of the perennial things that you can mulch up. And then you need some sort of garden soil. I wouldn't buy potting soil, but you need garden soil. You just take shovelfuls out of your garden, and you want to layer those elements. Moisture is a critical factor, but you have to have the amount of nitrogen as well as amount of carbon so the bacteria can break down the, 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 the ingredients and, and make it so it's usable for the soil. And I don't know if you're going to be an anal composter or a casual composter. I I should be able to tell, but I, I don't know what's going to happen. But you would want to stir it or or turn it. Um, that's my downfall. I don't really like to go out there and have to turn a compost pile because I'd rather yeah. have, if I had more space, I'd rather have more piles and let Mother Nature do its own thing yeah. and then just take the results I get. But I, I had a professor who just said over and over and over again, if you can smell it, you're not doing it right. It should, it should oh. deteriorate. At, at a rate that that it it's complementary, I guess. Um, so the right amount of brown, the right amount of green, and the right amount of water, and turning, because it does take moisture. Okay. Moisture and heat. That's moisture. all very good. Thanks, well, thank Dan. you very much. All right. And good luck. Enjoy the open house. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> thank <you>. Bye <laughs> bye. Three five six nine three nine seven. This is Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens. Compost piles are things you can work on now, certainly, if yeah. you can get to it without tromping through your garden. Okay, good. And, and you, you sell everything here that we would need, like a, I mean, the easy, if you did like an easy rotator bin, you have those in here, right? Yeah, we do have one style, I believe, of bins. Not two. I think but so. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. yeah. But you know what? The the open one, I like the idea of what Dan was doing with the open, so you, you have exposure to the, the elements because it really takes that. Uh, and just doing, like you said, John, just a, a, a do a fence, a wire fence, but then doing something decorative in front of that so you don't have to look at it if you if that's the issue with a, a compost yeah. pile. And even something that, you know, I've my father's done in the past, and it's really interesting, he's very innovative, is just taking pi- uh, heating um water pipes and you run them underneath and the heat of the pipes you transfer the uh water down to a uh, your brassicas your broccolis the things are growing and it sort of warms the bed that you might have down further down with water and he just recirculates it with a koi pond pump and so things go around the water from the composting produces a lot of heat and then you're just warming your soil and just running everything back through, and it gets heated again through your compost pile. That's okay. pretty cool. So it's on one You ever end. seen a compost pile or a big pile of mulch or something, I mean mountains of mulch, that are steaming in yeah. the wintertime? It's because they're yes. so hot inside. Yeah. All the oh. pressure. And, and that's going to keep material. your little hoop house of just nice kale and broccolis and things. Just the what right temperature. Idea. Well, you're not spending any money. Nature's doing it all. Well, Initial plumbing, <laughs> yeah, right. That's cool. Yeah, and and it's it is all about the green too, which we don't have a lot of green to put in yet, but we're coming up to that point. And uh, uh, for instance, my compost pile contains um, chicken manure and peat moss, 
because we have our chicken house that we clean out. So mm -hmm. that's one that kind of works all all through the winter. So your chia but pet can't keep up with the chicken manure then mm, in the winter, huh? No, no. <laughs> guess not. Let's go back <laughs> to the <laughs> phone <laughs> lines where Jeanette is standing by. Good morning, Jeanette. How can we help you? Uh, yeah, good morning, everybody. Um, okay, so I've called in before about my hibiscus um, that I have in containers, and you guys gave me great advice on using the bloom booster. So it worked. I did it a Good. little late in the summer, but they bloomed. I kept them over winter, but now, honest, I want to have blooms as soon as possible. So tell me when I should start fertilizing them and if I need to trim them back before I take them back outside. Hmm. Okay, so so uh, are they they're pretty good size now? And you got yeah. to, you got you you kept them over the winter, which is terrific. So, uh, you know, tropical hibiscus aren't going to like it outdoors. Uh, need to be consistent 50 degrees, you know, nighttime. It'll be your lowest temperatures that you'd want to. So you're going to wait probably, who knows, this year. Maybe it's going to be anybody's guess. Be yeah. anybody's <laughs> guess, but closer to May. <laughs> so uh, so do you have them in a, in a highlight area right now? Uh, it's or, it's pretty. It's on the south side window. Um, oh, that's good. Decent light. Yeah, a lot of people kind of winter winter them over where there's not a big light situation because they don't have a space, uh, and they're basically the plants are kind of dormant through the winter. And and now that we're getting the higher light levels, you know, longer days, uh, that's going to start to wake the plants up. So, I think that you could be safe to start fertilizing a little bit. Uh, according to the package directions, I believe it's probably every two weeks on that one. And uh, then you're going to start to play the, you're going to put it outside when it's warm enough. And then maybe you're going to bring it back inside. Play the in and out game. You know, yeah, yeah. And then don't introduce it to direct sun. Exactly. Yeah. Because it's been indoors and not used to that, that sun intensity. Oh, okay. So... You'll want to keep it in a sheltered area. And you'll work eventually work your way to that full sun. Yep. Yeah. But yep. just to throw it out in blaring hot and full sun and going from inside, you're going to have a lot of burned foliage. Yeah, it'll be sunburned just and like us. It needs to acclimate. Is, right now, size-wise, as far as cutting it back, do you need to – do you want to get it more under control in terms of its size, or do you like the size it's at right now? Uh, the size is pretty good right now, especially for getting them uh, in and out of the door. Uh, so, well, actually up and down the stairs. <laughs> <It's more laughs> of the oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. So you're probably not going to be playing the in and out game too much if, you, if stairs are a factor as well. But uh, I, I guess the reason to cut back would be to me, if I'm going to make that decision, I'm going to make it sooner than later. Because if I okay. cut back in four weeks, I'm just delaying some flowering even more, um, for example. So I'm probably going to decide whether I'm going to do it or not. Um, and since it doesn't sound like you're going to be playing in and out too much, you're going to probably have to sit tight for two, three, four weeks, five weeks, hopefully not. But you're going to have to sit tight for a while before you actually go outside. And then when you go outside, probably keep it up against the house sheltered. And then over a matter of a week or 10 days or two weeks, get it out into more and more sun and wind. And then hopefully you can keep most of the foliage preserved. And like John said, start feeding lightly. And, um Hit Great. the ground running, hopefully here. Hopefully you'll have some flowers in uh, late May or early June. 
Yes. Well, great. Oh, I appreciate your advice. Thank you, guys. Have not misled me yet, so thank you. Oh, <laughs> great. Thanks for the call. Good. Have a great Thanks day. for calling in, Jeanette. You take care. Three five six nine three nine seven. This is Plant Experts live at Prairie Gardens. So come on out to the spring open house today. It's the final uh, seminar day. start at nine fifteen. Yeah. Throw your nose up in the air to what the weather's been and who cares, and uh, register to win your favorite Garden Wish Dream Garden free. Uh, we got that going on all day long. We got speakers starting at nine fifteen with John Weisgarber. Then Sean's doing one at ten thirty on fiery peppers. Mike Weber's in at eleven forty-five for Conifer Magic, and Marianne's finishing off the presentations at one o'clock with perennials and decorative container combos. I gotta say, it's sun shining, and it changes my attitude. Totally, Helps immensely, oh. doesn't it? Oh my Boy, gosh! Does it ever? Yes, and then then to walk out to these greenhouses and see all that color. I don't, John, did you get a chance to walk out there today, into the greenhouses? No, but since last week, uh, my girlfriend, when we came in here, and there's a presentation on orchards and yeah, multi grafted yeah, yeah. trees. Yes, she's been bothering me to cut down our ornamental pear and plant <laughs> a uh, and plant one of these uh, multi grafted stone fruit trees. Oh, so I know awesome. she's coming today, and she's going to harp on me about buying that. So I think that we're going to have to. I, I got to tell you, tree. this is a cool awesome. tree. This is. A fruit cocktail tree. Have you ever heard of that, Tamara? No. Marianne made sure we got some in for you. He used to tease me so much. Oh, okay. My son and my, my stepson uh, had tried to grow a fruit cocktail tree that, yeah, like came out of the back of a catalog or something. Yeah. I don't know. And he, it was not very successful. Um, I don't know if he still has it or not. I think not, though. Is that, that's too bad. Yeah. But, okay, so now it's coming long enough that you actually have some in stock. Yes. I think it's something to try. It certainly depends upon what stone fruits are on there. Yeah. Uh, so if there's an apricot on there, I don't know if there is there's one. There's a one. nectarine. There's a plum. nectarine. Um, so the nectarine may be toast yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, after a while, but maybe the other ones are going to be okay. Maybe the plums will be fine. I'm uh, sure the plums Depends on what variety of peach it is, if it's got a peach on there or not. It does have a peach. And I'll tell you, the quality of the trees that we got, fruit trees that we got, were just absolutely wonderful and the, those those fruit cocktail trees yeah. were just gorgeous yeah, so, oh my gosh they're so nice and they already have flowers on yeah them. the the graphs look really strong hopefully just really great trees <laughs> well the nice thing you know being a little bit crazy in terms of trees too is like i'll just get some scion what if something doesn't produce <laughs> graft it onto there, there wrap it up put some beeswax on there some, and i'll have there i'll re- i'll make sure i get that fruit out of the whole mix <laughs> oh how neat one if, way or the other you know one way or the other i'm getting my Nectarine. <laughs> there you go. Even yes. if you have to build a greenhouse for it. Sean, I'm curious. With your search for heirloom tomatoes right. and heirloom uh, vegetables of all kinds, sure. how you you really? It seems like you've traveled the world. Well, I wasn't born. I was actually born in the uh, southern hemisphere. So we moved around from. Uh, my father was in agriculture in the West Indies. Um, that's where I got into a lot of this, these things uh, that he's he was into. Uh, then he went to the University of Guelph in uh, Canada for their agricultural program, which is pretty huge. Uh, so Canada, then upstate New York, and then here, and then travel the world to different countries wow. uh, just on vacation. So, uh, you know, one, one thing we want to do is go to the South Pacific and uh, rediscover some of those uh, sweet potato varieties. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Good. So they actually figured that all these people made it over to South America earlier than Columbus did by just the age of the sweet potatoes sure. they had collected and brought them back to the South Pacific. So 
uh, we want to go over there and find some stuff. So yeah, you have to travel the world to it's, find the good stuff. It's a right. busman's holiday. He does it. It's not really vacation. Yeah. It's, it's all about <laughs> gardens. Right. So they have these little huts that are above the water. <laughs> and my girlfriend said, so I could stay in one of these while oh, you're funny. out. She's already planning looking the trip. for you know this That's obscure great. variety of sweet potato that might be pre-Columbus. I can't wait to hear your seminar. This is Sean Williams, who's going to be speaking this morning at 1030, along with a variety of other seminars you can come out to Prairie Gardens and enjoy during their spring open house today. So uh, come on out, do enjoy, and enjoy the sunshine as well. Have a great weekend, everyone. Time to get ready. It's spring. Fall in love with your home this spring with new arrivals and savings this week at Prairie Gardens. Receive a free $100 gift card with any sofa purchase. Add spring color to your home with silk bushes you'll love. Now 50% off. Plus new spring boutique arrivals you'll adore at prices you'll love. And beautiful spring door decor with bumblebee swags just $19.97. Prairie Gardens. Garden, boutique, framing, and the best in seasons and home decor. Your flagship home for financial.